sportsgrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. Sportsgrid.com. Live from Las Vegas, it's Cover It with Teddy Covers. It's our number two of Cover It here on Sirius XM Channel 204, the Sports Grid Radio Network. I'm Ted Zaransky, a.k.a. Teddy Covers. And in this hour, I'm going to bring in, again, I, I feel like every week I'm overhyping guys, but I can't overhype this guy. Tony Mejia is a guy who absolutely knows the NBA 30 teams. I could ask him pretty much any question about any player, and he'll be able to give me an answer. This is a guy who spends his nights watching NBA pretty much seven nights a week. I look forward to having Tony break down the NBA with us. We're going to talk about bet on teams, bet against teams, over teams, under teams, and things we want to keep our eye on between now and the All-Star break. So you certainly want to stay tuned for that. We'll have him uh, coming up later in the hour. But before we get to Tony, I get a chance here. This is the beauty of having your own radio show. (laughs) Is that you get to answer people on air, even if they ask you stuff on Twitter. And there was a story this week, we talked about it in hour number one, where the Vegas Golden Knights signed up with a sports service, an official sports service that becomes a sponsor of the team. They get uh, some kind of signage on the uniform. I believe they're going to get the boards one of the boards on the side uh, of the uh, of the rink, uh, and it's your standard affiliate deal or advertising affiliate deal. This is a sports service, a tout service, and a team. And I was like, the optics on this are awful. Okay, they're not bad. They're awful. The cash grab side of the equation for the Knights, this isn't a $10 million deal. This isn't going to make their payroll. It's, yeah, I'll take the under a million bucks on what this costs, you know? And I don't know. We don't have any numbers. But it's not like it's this huge source of revenue for the team. It's not like the owner is going broke. It's not like they need it. This was a deal that was made. And it's just head-scratching all around. But, of course, you know what happens when you start commenting on Twitter. Uh, you know, and some of them were funny. Some of them were, you know, hey, Teddy, it sounds like uh, the guy put up the South Park gift. They, they took our jobs. You took our job. <laughs> no. That wasn't a gig that I was hoping for. I thought it was funny. Uh, But uh, I wasn't trying to get an affiliate deal with one of the NHL teams or one of the NBA teams or one of the Major League Baseball teams or one of the NFL teams. Uh, It's not something I need to make my life complete. Uh, (laughs) And I couldn't get those meetings, which is even more head-scratching about how uh, the deal got done with (laughs) the NHL on this previously unknown sports service. Um... You know, it's, it's, you know, how did they, how did that meeting take place? Who organized that meeting? Um, because it's not a meeting. And again, I've been in Vegas now for 20 something years. It's not a meeting I can get. And I know everybody in this town. So someone was able to get that meeting. It wasn't me, but my criticism wasn't jealousy. It wasn't, Oh, I wish I could have signed this affiliate deal. (laughs) It wasn't anything I'd ever considered, but I thought that was a funny tweet. And there was another tweet. There was a Teddy look in the mirror much. Yeah. Look in the mirror. I didn't sign an affiliate deal for the sports book. So I get it. You know, and they're standard pot shots. And someone's like, hey, Teddy, they, they post their long-term records. You don't. Um, yes, I do. 
<laughs> you know, everything's tracked. Uh, there's, I don't put out plays and then hide them later on. When I'm running good, I talk about running good. When I'm running bad, I talk about when I'm running bad. It's not, you know, I've never been someone that's ashamed of my record. I've never been someone that tries to hide my record. There are lots of touts that have to. <laughs> uh, luckily, I haven't had to. And I'm sure if you counted every play, when you count every play and every sport that I release, you're not going to see ridiculous numbers. You know, I've had, uh, had a bad baseball season and boom, you're down 100 units. What happens in a baseball season like that? Well, your clients aren't betting you balls to the wall if you're having a terrible baseball season and you continue to have a terrible baseball season. It just doesn't work that way in this industry. Now, when you grade it out at the end, you say, yeah, you had this bad baseball season. It doesn't matter what you did in football or basketball. You lost 100 units in MLB. Therefore, you're a crappy handicapper. I don't buy that. <laughs> you know, and uh, having done this as long as I have, obviously there's return clients. Obviously there's repeat business. But it's always a situation where you have to be honest about what you're doing. I don't work at a boiler room. I can't make up records that don't exist. Everything's documented on websites, et cetera, et cetera, in that regard. So, again, the comments were funny. The tweetbacks were funny. But the bottom line is, when a professional franchise signs a deal with a tout service, the optics are bad. It's just that simple. There needs to be a layer of separation between a tout service and a sports franchise. And the money that the sports franchise is getting for this isn't worth them taking that risk or making that choice. And that was my point about this. It's a little bit dicey. It doesn't smell right. No one in Vegas can figure out how this meeting took place and how they were able, an unknown sports was able to get a meeting with the uh, decision makers for the Golden Knights. So it's just one of those head scratchers. And of course, we'll have to see if it all comes to fruition. But as a headline grabber, I thought it was a pretty big headline. You know, sports service signs with NHL franchise. It's not at all what we're used to seeing, and it's not something that I expect to be business as usual moving forward. Again, not a move I agree with. The optics are all wrong. When we come back, it's NBA and NBA deep dive. We're not talking fluff. We're talking how to make money. Stay tuned right here. Sirius XM 204. Cover it continues after this. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back. To cover it with Teddy Covers here on Sirius XM Channel 204, the Sports Grand Radio Network. And I'm excited about my next guest. I love talking NBA, and I particularly love talking NBA with guys who are knowledgeable, <laughs> who watch the sport, who live the sport like I do on a night-in, night-out basis. That certainly is how I would describe my next guest, Tony Mejia. Mejia, I'm sorry. I'm the worst with that. I apologize, Tony. Thank you so much uh, for that. Was a good recovery. Good cover it. Good recovery there, Teddy. And now, a pleasure to, for you to have me on. Uh, you know, I've, I've, 
I'm a, I'm indebted to you in terms of uh, you know the doors that you've opened and and kind of stood there holding while uh, a lot of people uh, you know look down upon our industry. So it's great that now everything is mainstream and guys who've been doing this a really long time, like you and I, are gonna are still young enough to kind of do uh, to, to take advantage of it. So it, it's a pleasure being on with you. I'm not young enough to take advantage of anything. <laughs> uh, but I mean, the, but that's uh, I mean, when we talk about, I, I think people today, young people today in particular, don't really. Re- when I moved out to Vegas in '98, I'm telling you, it was like I was entering a different world. You're going to bet on sports for a living, like uh, people couldn't fathom it. Even people in my age range couldn't fathom it. And now, twenty something years later, it feels like the culture has shifted enough that people recognize this is, you know, A, there's money to be made, B, it's possible to do, and C, it's not some seedy, you know, uh, irreputable, uh, that's not even the right word I'm looking for, Uh, but it's not not dicey. It's like this legit way you can make a living. Um, Yeah, I mean, I think the stigma was there for whatever reason, but, uh, you know, Maybe because games used to be fixed in the 1920s and as recently as the 1950s with college basketball, potentially that's the reason why. But I, I mean, as as long as I've been in, in the sports industry, you know, from from the late 90s on, uh, it just seems second nature to uh, to use your knowledge to, to power it, you know, to capitalize on that. And, uh, you know, that's the way that you were able to do that, at least in Vegas. And now that it's going uh, national you know, every day a different state. I think uh, we're going to see a lot more people in our industry. In some ways, that's a good thing. In some ways, it's bad. Well, I had uh, uh, Dustin Gawker on in hour number one, and we I had him give me an over-under on total number of states legalized uh, by December 31st, 2025. He gave the number of 33 and a half. And I thought that was a disappointing number. Uh, I wanted 39 and a half. I wanted 42 and a half. <laughs> uh, uh, but at the same time, 33 and a half is still well over half the country. I'm not going to complain about it too much. But let me ask you this. I mean, let's start right here. Tell me your superhero origin story. One of the things I love about uh, doing this show every week is you get a chance to to talk to people from all kinds of different backgrounds who have found their way into the sports betting industry and are pretty good at it. (laughs) So what's your background? How do you get into this business? And what are you doing now? Well, all right. uh, From New York... Moved to Florida as a teenager. Once I got to Florida, I realized that people that could play year-round instead of just in, you know, late spring and summer mm-hmm. uh, have have great advantages over those who who come in as imports. Uh, and so I was beaten out for every mm-hmm. every type of team. Uh, and uh, so I, I really turned my attention to the writing game very quickly. Uh, and I was a sports editor of my high school paper as a junior, which would, for me was like 15 years old, uh, and then graduated as the senior editor. So at that point, it was all newspaper or bust at communications at the University of Central Florida, which at that point wasn't as mainstream. But uh, because of the, uh, the fact that it was a small school, I got to do cool things like travel to Auburn on, on the team flight uh, as part of the student newspaper coverage. Uh, so I, I racked up a ton of experience. I freelanced for Blue Ribbon and Lindy's uh, while in college and ended up at, C- at Sportsline.com uh, before it was brought out by CBS. 
uh, as a producer before I even graduated. So this is me like 21, 22. Uh, and then at, at that point, I was, was already into predictions and stuff like that. I had a Mejia Selections feature, which, um, you know, they got sponsored and got a little bit of attention. It was essentially very similar to the Sagarin thing where it was just projected scores. Uh, and then Vegas Insider was a sister company of Sportsline at that point. Uh, I did it under a pseudonym because uh, at that they, they had me writing NBA, and you know this is pre Tim Donaghy, but it was still, you know, let's not mix uh, sports coverage and betting. Uh, so that was the, the Anthony De Niro pseudonym was born. I uh, did that on, for 2005 to you know 2007, and then I got the national NBA gig. So I was a beat writer uh, for CBS Sports because at that point CBS had bought us, uh, and so I put my handicapping on, on hold. Uh, you know, the, the beat writing thing was great, but I didn't like waiting for phone calls. So, uh, you know, ultimately I, I got out of it. I, I had a site with uh, Sam Amico, Pro Basketball News, and uh, then I concentrated on handicapping full time. Oh, a, so you've had more than your fair share of mainstream media type of outlets. Um, how does that compare to the sports gaming outlets when you're when you're trying to pick a winner, when you're trying to handicap a game, are you looking at the mainstream outlets or are you looking at the gambling content that's out there? Well, Teddy, I think that's that's one key difference as to why I enjoy this a lot more. You're there for the story and the athletes if you're covering games uh, and, and you're there to entertain and that stuff. You're not really there to analyze both X's and O's and outcomes and projected scores and spreads. Uh, so, you know, I, I enjoyed it, but at the same time, you also miss a ton. You're, you're sitting there focused on one game where there are, you know, 10 others in a particular league going on. So you really don't get to see it. Like if you're covering a game, you're missing out on what's happening in the others. Me, I'm the kind of guy that wants five screens at once and monitoring everything throughout all sports. So, uh, you know, that, that's really, you know, one thing that, is a, a huge difference between a mainstream sports writer and somebody that does the things that we do. Well, uh, and that's real to me as well. When you talk about like watching one game versus watching all the games, you know, I sit in my office, I got three TVs and I usually have uh, two games on each TV or you know, I'm flipping back and forth. I've got a picture in picture. So I'm tracking six games at once. And on a normal basketball night, I'll have, you know, for me, I'm an NBA guy. So I keep NBA on center stage and then I'll click around to the college ranks. But, uh, and then when there's just a single event game, I'm like, this is too slow, man. This is too slow. <laughs> Are we action junkies? It's just too much for us to, you know, a single game does, it doesn't even, uh, I mean, it doesn't matter if it's the Super Bowl or not. You know, the Super Bowl moves too slow for me in, in that regard. Um, it sounds like we're action junkies. Yeah, a little bit. So uh, just a minute here before the break, I'm going to ask what's different about the betting markets now compared to when you started in this business? And what do you expect to see different three, three years from now or five years from now? Well, it definitely seems more specialized. I think uh, the numbers tend to be sharper these days. You can't find advantages in even small conferences like the Northeast and in, in the uh, NBA and professional sports league like the NFL. Forget about it. It's just... Uh, you know, the numbers are so sharp, but at the same time, I think with, with the mainstream betting coming to fruition, we're going to 
go back to uh, the old days where if you blindly bet underdogs, you'll do pretty well because uh, they'll have a lot more fish to catch now with favorites uh, than they used to. And we've got much more uh, with Tony Mejia coming up after the break. I'm going to talk to him about how he uh, takes apart an NBA card on a night-in, night-out basis. I want to talk about sharp versus square. I want to talk about line moves. And, of course, we're going to talk about some bet on and bet against teams, as well as teams we're going to look to bet over and teams we're going to look to bet under. So much more with uh, Tony Mejia coming up after the break. Stay tuned right here on SiriusXM Channel 204. Cover it. We'll continue shortly. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back to Covered with Teddy Covers. I'm joined again by Tony Mejia, one of the genuine knowledgeable people when it comes to the NBA, a guy who's done mainstream reporting and a guy who's been handicapping at a fairly high level for a fairly long time. So, uh, Tony, let me start right here. How do you break down an NBA card? It's the first night of the season. What do you do? You're looking at all these games. You're looking at all these point spreads. How do you decide? Well, you look at all these totals. You're the China side, first half, full game, first quarter, player props. Explain your process. Well, it's the same way for the first game of the season as it is the last. I wake up in the morning. I write down the teams by hand. And then I put, depending on how I'm feeling, either the point spread that I would put on it genuinely or a projected score. Uh, then I'll go back to it. I'll do that for every game. I'll go back to it. I'll do whatever I didn't do the first time, the second time. Uh, and then if I'm satisfied that there's either enough information there I'll, or, or if I have to go back and give myself five minutes and do another set of numbers, uh, then I'll look at the, the Vegas line. And from there, I'll look for discrepancies first. I'll, and it, 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 in this COVID era, it is ridiculous how much later we have to wait to put these games in. I mean, there's a situation with Toronto the other night where they lose their coaches in mid-afternoon, like the entire seven. And I said to myself, I'm not going to move the number. And I don't think the number is moved much. Uh, and, and so beyond that, the situations where you have, uh, you know, late scratches. Uh, but for, for the purposes of the answer, uh, to answer your question, uh, I, I'm going to go ahead and either look at what I think the line is doing to me and make my determination there. And it's strictly gut instinct. Do I think that you're trying to trap me on that line? Uh, is there a different way that I need to think about it or wow. Okay. I really like that line. Let's see what it does. And I need to move on it at this point. So I already have, you know, what I'm thinking done. And then I just look at what, what the line moves does and uh, pull the trigger uh, you know, and again, as, as I said, pull the trigger now uh, a little later than I would have, you know, 10 years ago for sure. Uh, and, and those numbers have changed, you know, the, the different rules, you know, used to be where you, you have totals of 208. Now your basic total is, 
you know, in the 220s, 230s, depending on the team. So, I mean, you talk about making numbers or putting together numbers. How do you do that? How do you put together a projected point spread or projected final score? Are you using algorithms that you developed? Are you doing that manually by hand as an estimate? Are you thinking about matchups as you're creating those numbers? Or is it a pure mathematical formula? Well, both for college and pro, it's it's pretty simple. You you do it by feel, especially early in the season, because you know personnel of what's coming back and what you've retained from the year before, uh, understanding the personalities of coaches and what they want to get accomplished. And then about eight to ten games in, you start knowing your numbers and using your numbers and understanding that pace has uh, a, a huge. I mean, it's basically the determining factor in in totals, at least. Uh, you know, per, possessions per game, uh, and then there's a deeper level of understanding. Okay, why is there this dip here? Who was out? And that's what I think my specialty is. Is you know, I, I keep track of who's absent when and. Uh, you know, then we go in under runs, and then when they come back, the lines are, are lower, and you can take advantage because, uh, oh, this guy's back, and now, now it should be a faster-paced game. So do you worry – I mean, talk about evaluating some of these line moves because, as you mentioned, the lines, uh, the lines will move throughout the course of the day. Um, do you look at a move towards the dog differently than you would look at a move towards the favorite when the money comes on an under versus an over? Does that change your opinion um, how do you evaluate the, these uh, these market moves throughout the course of the day as you're preparing to make your wagers? Again, it would it would ha- my determinations made early in the day, and I would have had to already make my mind up that I'm going to be trapped to react to the actual move. Uh, so, for instance, a couple of days ago, we had that huge line uh, with the Pelicans and the Bucks. Uh, I, I think it was 242, and we see these line moves steady every. Every day, really, where yeah. uh, the, the public loves an over, and then you know, look at what the odds makers get to do. They get to inflate the number, um, and then you're you're sitting there stuck with the dilemma of, okay, now do we want to ride the value on the higher number and go under, or say, hey, you know, I'm going to trust my gut. I understand what these teams want to do, um, you know, unless things are going to go the other way, and things go the other way percentage wise, four out of ten times. Uh, then we're going to stick to our guns. And if you stuck to your guns in Pelicans Bucks, you were an easy winner on the over, even though the number was higher than it should have been. Mm-hmm. It sure was. That game, again, flew over by double digits. The Pelicans, what now? 11 and 0 to the over their last 11, 18 and 2 to the over their last 20. And when you have a streak like that, remember, a winning streak, you know, team wins 10 games in a row. It's a lead story on SportsCenter. Team goes over the total 10 games in a row. Nobody knows unless you're paying attention. Uh, so we're talking to a guy who's paying attention to that. So, Tony, I want to ask you, the, the sharp score, I get questions about this all the time. Oh, the sharps like this. Oh, this is a public side. Do you worry about that stuff in the NBA? Do you look at that on a night-in, night-out basis? Or is that just one of the, I mean, there are so many factors that betters can consider for any given ball game. Some stuff is meaningful. Some stuff is meaningless. Do you worry about sharp square divide as something meaningful? Yeah, I, I understand that that is a thing. And uh, I have the utmost respect for quote unquote sharps, people like me who, who watch it every day. But my mom, who's 82 years old and from Ecuador and doesn't watch things, sometimes disagrees with me and is correct. So 
you know, there you go. It's just a matter of you've got to trust your gut. Uh, and if, if you're being called a square because you, you back the favorite, it's probably, uh, you know, three points higher than it, they, they should be laying, but they went by, you know, 10 points, then, you know, you, you've got to live with that decision. Sure. And, of course, you know, if you're getting the worst of the number, but it's the right side winner anyway, <laughs> you know, you can get away with that. Stuff. Right, exactly. What about – well, what about consensus? Do you worry about the consensus numbers? Oh, 80% of the public's on this, or uh, oh, 80% of the money's on this side. Uh, do you pay any attention to that? Because of all the things that I pay attention to in the NBA, for me at least, the consensus numbers, I don't even look at them. Yeah, the only one, a way you want to look at it is if you're kind of torn and uh, you, you want to, uh, and again, it's a whim thing. It's like, what, what am I thinking at that particular moment? But if, it's a, if there's a tiebreaker involved and I see all the money going on one side and I've got an inkling that maybe it's the other side, you know, you, you kind of remind yourself that all these fancy casinos are, are, are built because the public typically loses. So, you know, that, that's, <laughs> that's the only thing that I would say there. Uh, but no, I, I agree with you that, you know, those consensus things and, and the chatter part of it, uh, sharp square uh, really you know it, it fades to oblivion when you're just sitting there and looking at the numbers and really trusting your gut and that's why it's a roller coaster ride because there are instances where we go cold but then you, know, you remind yourself okay well this is why i've done this for so long because you know uh, i i tend to break the 55 percent mark so you know that's that's the way you you kind of reassure yourself that even when it's going you know not the way that you envisioned uh you know it'll turn around and of course, people forget, or people don't know. And right? I forget's not the right word. If you hit fifty-five percent of your wagers over the long term, that means you're winning eleven out of twenty. You're losing nine out of every twenty bets. Not some gaudy winning percentage. It's a modest winning percentage. If you do that long term, you'll make enough money to pay all your bills and live a real good life. It's not about winning ninety percent, eighty percent, seventy percent. If you win. 55% of your bets in any sport, you'll make a nice profit. You'll have enough money to do what you want with to, with your sports betting winnings. Just a few minutes here before the break, Tony, and I want to ask you about streaks a little bit. What do you do when you're struggling and you're in the midst of a skid? You talked about it a moment. We're not always hot. Uh, do you change your approach at all? Do you take a day off? Do you think about things differently? Um, talk about slump busting. How do you do it? Yeah, that I, I mean, uh, I, I'm a volume handicapper, a, which means that I, I like a lot of games at once because I watch a lot of teams and I form a lot of opinions. Uh, so you, you try not to have terrible days because if you're in terrible days, you're in a, a pretty big hole. If you, if you run them together, uh, have I taken a breather before? Yeah, you, you take one day, uh, it's preferably on a Monday if there's a light card, uh, and, and kind of recharge your batteries, hit the reset button. But for the most part, it is a marathon, man. And, you know, I, who am I telling? It's, it's uh, one of those things where uh, you have to stay in it. 
you have to watch. Uh, you know, we're, we're approaching conference tournament time. Uh, we're in, in, in college basketball, and I've already seen these teams about five, seven times a year. Um, thank God, goodness, for streaming services now. I mean, it, we're, we're not operating blind the way we, they used to with just numbers, you know, in, in the 80s and 90s. We actually have to watch what these teams look like. Um, and, uh, and then, yeah, you, you, you know what, what personality all teams have, and styles make fights. And then you try to just project uh, what you're about to see. I remember, and this is, again, it's got, I don't even know how long ago it is now. The Kent State Golden Flashes with a power forward by the name of Antonio Gates. And I bet on that team all year. And then finally, I saw them for the first time in the NCAA tournament. (laughs) They had to run to the Elite Eight. And I'm like, wow, they really are good, you know? (laughs) But you didn't get a chance to see those teams back in the day. Now, you can watch them every night. I'm telling you. You're not going to want to miss our next segment with Tony Mejia. We're going to talk bet on, bet against teams. Covering continues. Serious exam challenge. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back to Cover with Teddy Covers here on Sirius XM Channel 204, the Sports Grid Radio Network. And I am speaking here for the third segment with Tony Mejia, NBA expert, sports betting expert, longtime better, South Florida resident, and all around a good guy. Tony, let's get to some actionable information. Enough with the theory. Let's get into the practice. Right now, today, give me a bet on team from the Eastern Conference. If betters bet this team that you're going to tell me for the next 10 games, give me someone who's going to make some money. All right, but I, I will have to preface it by saying I'm a Central Florida re- resident only because my answer is the Miami Heat, and I don't want to be accused of being a homer. So uh, <laughs> it's it, it, it's the Heat and the Magic are the closest team to me, but uh, they just got Goran Dragic back. Tyler Hero is returning uh, from his issue. Uh, Bam Adebayo and Jimmy Butler are all-star snubs. Uh, and again, Butler hasn't been healthy throughout the in, the entire early part of the season uh, and had four double, uh, triple doubles uh, in eight games entering you know the, the Jazz game. So from that standpoint, he's locked in and he is in playoff Jimmy mode at midseason, uh, which is great news for the Heat. Now, uh, potentially, might not be great news when we get to the playoffs because I think they're going to they're going to blow off a lot of steam here trying to catch up. I mean, they they've really struggled to the point where the Hornets, you know, have been ahead of them pretty much all season. Uh, and uh, you know, the the release of the second half schedule, I think, favors them wonderfully. They they open uh, March 11th once once the NBA All Star break is over against the magic then go to Chicago and come back and play Orlando. Uh, so that's, that's three winnable games and they're home for Cleveland. So they can get on a run really quickly. And then their, their schedule is pretty friendly for the second half. So, uh, you know, I, I, I really like the Atlanta Hawks to potentially be one of those, uh, 
you know, I don't play many futures, but I, I look for home run value. And Hawks to win the Southeast Division was, uh, I think, plus 600. So I recommended that. Uh, and uh, I said, oh, maybe the Heat fall off. I wouldn't feel so strong about that now because the Hawks have been a little wishy-washy, even though they've, they've been pretty good. They're, they're ahead of the Heat now. Uh, but I think it'll, uh, ultimately Miami's going to be the Southeast Division champion again. Well, yeah. I mean, when, when you look at the, you know, the Eastern Conference right now, where literally it's a, what is it, a two-game difference between the four seed and the 11 seed <laughs> in the East, uh, there's a lot of teams that have a potential to make some noise uh, and to move up in the standings. You're saying take a look at Miami and potentially uh, take a look as Atlanta as a bet on team from the Eastern Conference. Let's shift it to the other side of the equation. What teams in the East right now are overvalued commodities? Teams that again, if you bet against them every game for the next 10 games, you're going to go six and four ATS or better teams that you can make a profit from fading starting right now. Well, I mean, we've had this, uh, this conversation in another medium, but the Indiana Pacers are just such a weird team uh, because personnel wise, they're supposed to be a much better defensive team than they are. Uh, I don't know if it's Nate Bjorkren, being so much more relaxed on that side of the ball than Nate McMillan was that is contributing to it. Uh, but they're a team that based on Malcolm Brogdon playing so well and DeMontis Sabonis playing at an all-star level again, cause he was, uh, he was named uh, the replacement for Kevin Durant. So he's back uh, should be better than they are. And uh, you know, I, I think that they are going to struggle in the second half unless they get that fixed. Uh, and the, the, out of the gate in the second half of the of the NBA season, they've got to host Brooklyn and then go on a three-game road trip where they're playing Miami and then Miami twice and then playing at Milwaukee. So unless they, they get a lobotomy between now and then, I don't think that they're going to have the defense to hold up. And when, once you start spiraling, it's, it's difficult to get back on track when everybody's trying. So the Pacers might be the team to fade, at least early on uh, in the month of March. And I'm, I mean, for me, when you look, Indiana's a team that on paper, you talked about Brogdon, and Brogdon's an elite-level defender. You look at Miles Turner, and he's an elite-level shot blocker who, you know, makes a difference in the low post. And yet, even with those two, you look at every advanced metric, and you watch them on the floor, they're just not a good defensive ball club. Um, do you think it's a coaching issue, or do you think it's the rest of the personnel besides the duo of Brogdon and Turner uh, that are the issues? Or is that something that may get better when, let's say, T.J. Warren comes back or Karis LeVert uh, gets into the lineup uh, for the Pacers? Though I don't know if that's going to happen anytime soon with LeVert. Right. Uh, you know, I, I'm, on, on knowledge, no. It shouldn't happen at all. Warren is, is not a great defender, and he looks for his shot off. He's, he, he's more likely to to pick and pop in the, in the first five seconds of the shot clock. So then you're running and maybe that'll all ultimately benefit them. But no, Warren coming back, I think makes them a worse defensive team. And again, I, I mean, I think it is a coaching issue just because different things are prioritized, I guess. I mean, Nate McMillan was a stickler for defense and, uh, and maybe these guys have gotten a little too comfortable with, with Bjorkren style. And I, I think he's a heck of a coach. Um, you know, uh, I, I really like some of the things he does, but yeah, defensively, like, like I said, we've both been puzzled by it. 
So uh, let's stay in the East here and take a t- talk about totals for a minute. Does anyone stand out as an over team moving forward or an under team moving forward? We've seen some remarkable totals runs in the NBA, whether it's the Nets going over uh, again and again, whether it's the Cavs going under again and again, whether it's the run the Pelicans are currently on, cashing one over bet after the next. Anyone we can look at that might have a total streak ahead of them trying to be proactive and not reactive. Yeah, maybe Orlando finally gets back to their typical Steve Clifford identity uh, with Alfa Rukavinu back and, and playing more minutes. He, I mean, he's been a part of playoff teams because of how good of, uh, of an on-ball defender he is, and he can switch on to everybody, and they really missed that since Jonathan Isaac went out. And I don't think Isaac's coming back anytime soon, but with Aminu in there and Michael Carter-Williams, a long defender on the ball who gives you very little on the offensive end, uh, playing major minutes because Cole Anthony's gone, potentially we can see the Magic start playing 100 to 98 games again. Uh, but, you know, right now they, they're struggling to get all those pieces together. Chumo Kiki, uh, you know, has really come along strong, and he's a plus defender waiting to happen. Uh, but right now it's they're riding uh, Evan Fournier and, and Nick Vucevic, and neither of those guys are good defenders, and both of those guys are streaky, and so there's been some overs mixed in there. So you think the Magic may well be an under-team Moving forward, I don't disagree with that. That's certainly the way uh, Steve Clifford uh, wants to play. Uh, let's shift our focus to the Western Conference now, and we're going to go through the same thing. All right, we're looking for a bet on team or two from the West, a bet against team, and a team that you have an opinion total wise. So let's start with the bet on piece of the equation. Anyone right now? Again, the Utah Jazz have been the story of the NBA season from a betting standpoint. Who's the next Utah Jazz on the horizon? What team can go on a big point spread run moving forward? I mean, I think in in the West, you kind of have to look for the Clippers. Uh, and I know that they're going to have a, well, a beautiful homestand uh, from March 29th to April 13th. They play nine home games in 15 days. So you're going to have to wait a little bit for that. But the fact that Paul George and Kawhi Leonard have both missed time early. That there's been a new coach in Ty Lue. Uh, the not that the sense of urgency hasn't been there, but he, they've been matching a lot of pieces, mixing and matching. And uh, you know, Patrick Beverly has been out, so their bench rotation has has kind of been shifted because Reggie Jackson's had to play with the first unit, uh, and they were try, kind of getting something together with Marcus Morris uh, and uh, and Chicken Wing Man, whose name I, I forget right now. Uh, Lou, Lou uh, Williams getting uh, getting going together and establishing some chemistry that that Williams and uh, uh, Montreal Montrez Harrell uh, enjoyed last season. Uh, you know those guys are, could potentially get moving, especially at home. So look for that period late March into early April to be a time where you can use uh, the Clippers, and you'll probably be laying points if they get on on a nice run. But they're the type of team that that really can blow teams out due to their depth. Yeah, of course, Lou Williams uh, famously uh, when, when left the bubble. He had to go to, I don't remember what he was, he was in Atlanta for a funeral, wasn't he? And then he stopped off uh, to get chicken wings at his favorite place, was videotaped doing so, and then had to spend extra time in quarantine uh, before being allowed to play uh, once again for L.A. But, of course, that's uh, from back in the bubble. Is there anyone in the West that we're looking as a bet against team moving forward? 
can Portland keep it up? Is San Antonio real? Uh, are some of these bottom feeders ready to see the bottom drop out? Give me a bet against team right now in the Western well, Conference. Portland will have to see what happens when CJ McCollum comes back because then they'll be pretty deep. So, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm curious to see how they fare. Uh, they could still have a, a special run in them. I think on schedule alone, you fade the Grizzlies and the Spurs. Uh, they've each had uh, COVID issues through the first half of the season. So they're playing 40 games in 68 days. Uh, the Grizzlies actually have 11 back-to-backs in front of them. Spurs a little lighter slate with uh, seven. But, you know, both of those teams are going to be pretty tired. And uh, even though they have depth, the Grizzlies got back uh, Justice Winslow. That's a lot to ask, especially for a young team if you're Memphis. And, uh, you know, Pop's got a, a youth movement going on in San Antonio. So those two are bet against teams for me. And then, you know, I, I think the Lakers are going to end up being a bet against team because I don't buy the whole sense of urgency thing uh, from LeBron James continuing without Anthony Davis. And, uh, you know, we'll see how quickly Davis comes back after the break. But uh, you can't have the King around game 70 looking for wind. You know, that's just not going to happen. He's not going to let that happen. You know, I, when, when I was in South Florida, it was to cover the heat um, throughout their, their, their finals run. So he would regularly take games off, and you would just come to expect it. You know, load maintenance uh, was born really there. You know, Tim Duncan and, uh, and the Spurs did it. But, uh, you know, they were doing it a lot younger, the Heat. Uh, so I, I, I anticipate that LeBron James is going to sit out more, and uh, we'll see the Lakers kind of come back to earth and, and the Clippers can pass them. Yeah, and of course, the Lakers, a team with absolutely nothing to prove in the regular season. They could come in to the playoffs as a number eight seed and still be live to win the title, although my hunch is they'll still figure out a way to get home court advantage in the first round. Tony, uh, I really appreciate your time. I thought you gave us some great insights uh, on the show today. Uh, Self-promote, get 30 seconds. Tell us, talk about your Twitter, talk about your website, uh, and talk about what you have going on. Oh, well, I appreciate the opportunity, Teddy, and, and it's a pleasure to have this conversation. I am at Wager Talk now. You can find me there at wt.buzz/tm for all my picks and, and certain analysis. I'm writing multiple NBA columns for Gaming Today. Uh, so you can wa- uh, look for me there at, at GamingToday.com. Now it's more of a daily website than the periodical that we've been used to. And then Twitter, uh, I am at Mejia Dinero, M-E-J-I-A-D-I-N-E-R-O. Excellent stuff, Tony. Thank you again so much uh, for joining us uh, on the show. And again, he says, take a look at the Clippers, the potential bet-on team, the Lakers, the Spurs, and the Grizzlies. Not so much. We'll be back. Cover it. Sirius XM, Channel 204, continues. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Stretch of Cover It with Teddy Covers here on Sirius XM Channel 204, the Sports Grid uh, Radio Network. And look, what we did today is exactly what we're trying to do every single week on this show. We're going to bring in someone that knows something about the industry. And we're going to talk about the industry as a whole. 
Then I'm going to bring in someone that knows something about sports. <laughs> and we're going to talk about a sport. Deep dive. I don't want to do little quick hitters. I don't want to sit here and then pick this game and pick that game. This is about not giving fish. It's about teaching a man to fish. And again, I'm lucky. I've been doing this for 23 years, and I still like it. <laughs> most days. There are days that I don't. But most days, I still enjoy my line of work. I get to wake up every morning. It doesn't matter what I did yesterday. You know, the ability, the clean slate has always appealed to me. Where you start out in the day, and yeah, you might have lost money yesterday. You might have made money yesterday. But every morning you wake up, and you're zero and zero for that day. And it's what can you do to boost your bankroll over the course of the next 24 hours? Not big picture. It's small picture every single day. It's small picture every time. We're trying to decide, do I bet this game? Do I leave this game alone? People spend a whole lot of time focused on the big picture, but really, it's all a bunch of micro decisions. When do I bet this game? Now or later? Do I bet this game? Yes or no? Do I bet the first half? Do I bet the side? Do I bet the total? Do I bet the first quarter? Do I look at a player prop instead? The micro decisions, not the macro decisions, or what make all the difference in your X's and O on a day-in, day-out basis. But when you have the right framework in place, when you're making the correct choices about what choices you want to make, that's how this business gets a whole lot easier. I want to thank Tony Mejia. I want to thank uh, Dustin Gauber. Uh, uh, and boy, I want to thank you guys for hanging out with me today. It's been a lot of fun. We'll do it again next week right here on the Sports Grid Radio Network, Sirius XM Channel 204. Until then, Eddie Covers signing off. Cover it is out. Oh, 25 miles from home.